Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre-retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement. Hello and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Good morning, Greg. How are you? Good morning, Eric. I am doing so good today that I think I'm going to bring the room down and talk about insurance. Oh, yay. <laughs> Isn't this exciting? Yeah, I know. Somebody's scanning through the podcast going, man, what can I really, really get excited about today? Insurance. Uh, well, yeah. I will tell you one thing that we can get excited. Listeners, you can get excited for something. Matt Zagula was a guest on the last podcast. I want to bring that up because it's a longer than normal podcast, but it's only because Matt and Greg had so much to talk about. So please go back and listen to that. It was a great conversation, a lot of great information. And man, he was a fun guest. He was, he's a real good guy and a real person of influence in this industry that should be listened to. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. I learned a lot from him, and that's why I'm here, to learn from you. So today we're talking about life insurance, and more specifically, this is a part of your Back to Basics series. I believe we're part four, and you're talking about life insurance. So why this? Well, i focusing on the fact that, you know, this is now our 16th episode that we put together. and um, Nice. We're starting to get a little traction and get some people that want to listen to the show. And I thought this would be a good time to cull the herd and put out a show that nobody wants to listen to. Okay, perfect. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about life insurance. And from my perspective, just quick, I mean, not history, but when I was younger, I bought term life insurance, right? Because I was, that's what I was told to do. That was where I was at financially. Term was a good option for me. I know that there are a ton of different types of life insurance out there, and that's what I want to ask you first. What are the different types? Knowing term, knowing the word whole life, I've heard universal life, I've heard all sorts of things, but even within those groupings, I know there's a lot of complexity, correct? So I'm going to answer that the way I usually do, by taking a tangent. Please do. (laughs) So... Like many people and yourself, uh, you know, I started with the perspective of life insurance, smife insurance, right? Who needs life insurance? First Mm -hmm. of all, when you're young, you're never going to die. So the only time that you even think about that other than being part of your group plan at work is when you have a kid or you buy a home and then you begrudgingly go into the world of term insurance, right? Exactly. To be precise about what term insurance is for anybody who may not know what that means, you know, that is a pure life insurance product. What that means is there's no saving component of it, nothing. It is the bare cost. The only thing cheaper than it is what you have at your group policy. And you typically buy it for a certain, quote, term, close quote, of years, be it 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And because of that, it is the cheapest form of insurance that you can buy. Mm -hmm. But I also want to add that because of that, it is also the most profitable insurance that insurance companies sell. Mm -hmm. I agree. (laughs) And here's why. I got a lot of coverage because exactly what you said. I had kids. 
right? When my children came, that was when I thought about it. Because before that, my wife and I were married. We never thought about it for each other to make sure each of us was taken care of. But when we had kids, that's when we decided. And I had a buddy of mine who got into a company, which will be unnamed, but it was not a good company. Kind of a racket, if you will. And uh, sure, I'll sit down and talk with him. And, and we bought life insurance through him, which is great. I like to support my friends and their endeavors. He was done with that company in six months. And we had that term policy for 10 years which covered us for just in case. And I guarantee it was probably the most profitable for that company, you know, for what we bought. And I got nothing out of it, which is good, right? Because I didn't die. I mean, that's the point of term, correct? The only thing you get is if, if you actually kick it, right? Right. You know, I'm not sure the exact number, but literally somewhere in the neighborhood of 99% of those policies never pay anything out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so wow. that's why it is such a, it's the backbone of the insurance industry, right? It's cheap yeah. for you to buy, but uh, it's also uh, relatively cheap for them to uh, issue because of their low risk. Mm-hmm. But that is the place that people typically start out when they feel like they do need to, you know, protect their family against something, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's, you know, one category and it does have other uses throughout life, but it is the bare bones starting point if you're not taking care of things at work. Now, let me add to that before we move on that many times people don't even have that. They just have what their group insurance is through their employer. Mm-hmm. And that's a great start. But what many people don't appreciate when they opt for that type of insurance is how life can happen. You know, how many people are in a job today that they weren't in six months ago, let alone a year ago? And, you know, if you move on from job to job, you're going to have a different group life coverage, potentially not even any. So to base your financial stability for yourself and for your family, more importantly, on a group policy is very short-sighted sometimes. Yeah, I would agree. So beyond that, What other policy types are we going to talk about today? So once we move on from that basic death protection, and that's all that is, death protection, then there are uh, various classes of whole life, universal life, variable universal life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are different categories, different things, but all of them come down to some level of life insurance for the passing and some accumulation potential or a managed premium. So mm-hmm. I don't want to get too much into the weeds on that. I just want to cover, you know, that basically you've got the pure death coverage of group and term, and then you have ones that have the ability to become potentially permanent life insurance in the whole class of whole life type of uh, vehicles. Okay. So let me ask you this. You said the term is just basic death coverage, right? And that's what I understood it to be when I purchased it back in my early to mid-20s. Is there a time when maybe an age or maybe an event in your life that you should be looking to graduate? I'm using air quotes on a podcast here, Greg. Graduate to a different type of insurance from term to maybe universal or whole or whatever because there's added benefits? You know, Eric, one of the missions that I have with this program and just my general business philosophy is to challenge people's ways of thinking because the old ways of thinking are not necessarily the right ways in today's world. Mm -hmm. And to your question, 
the reason why I bring that up is, you know, when people start a job, what do they typically do? Okay. First, they don't save anything, right? That's what most people do. They don't do anything. And then they begrudgingly go into their 401k at work. And I'm talking about younger people. Mm-hmm. And then we layer on, okay, well, we've got group benefits from work of the group life, et cetera. And then we do like you did. Uh, we buy term because we're starting family, et cetera. And then we're going to go on down the road and maybe graduate into these permanent things. And for many people, that is, in my opinion, a lost opportunity. Hmm. You know, more people should be thinking about a permanent life insurance when they are starting their savings journey than putting money into tax-deferred accounts. Okay. All right. So how's that done? So let's look at an example. A client I spoke with the other day. Okay. Somebody in their mid-20s. And they're trying to get their savings in order. They're trying to get some method to get to a point in their life where they will have financial freedom. And they came in and they were contributing, you know, the maximum they could to their 401k. Now their company only had a small match. So they were putting in much more money than the company was matching in their 401k. So this particular person, they were putting in $4,000 a year more than their company was matching. Mm. Well, I showed that person how if they instead put $3,000 of that into a limited payment life insurance that would be fully paid up in 10 years, that they had the ability to create a pool of tens of thousands of dollars on which they can use for their own life. And by the way, if they died, then it provided the death benefit. And by the way, if the fella did pass away, then there would be a significant death benefit. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't the primary purpose for the purchase. And the primary purchase reason was that this was going to provide him a engine for ongoing financial security that he would not have had he continued to save at the pace he was saving in his 401k. Okay, so explain that. So as many of our listeners have experienced, when you put your money in your 401k, it basically goes into tax prison until you're 59 and a half. Mm-hmm. Sure, you might have some ability to borrow against that 401k down the road and not pay the 10% penalty as long as you pay it back, right? Mm-hmm. Now, contrast that to this fella uh, that diverted some of his money into a permanent life insurance program that was now building cash value. Cash value that he had the ability to take money out of any time after the first couple of years uh, without being putting the policy at jeopardy. Okay. And no penalty? Yeah, right. No penalty whatsoever. Nice. And if he treated himself as well as he would have to treat a bank and paid that back, then it would continue to earn interest. Mm-hmm. So... 
the plan that we set him up on, you know, in a matter of a few years, he would have a pot there big enough that he was going to use that as his routine car buying pot going forward. Mm. We are projecting he'd have tens of thousands of dollars in cash value that he'd be able to take out of that account, buy his car, and then instead of paying Ford Motor Company the payment, he's going to pay himself back. You see, nice. Eric, many people have heard the quote attributed to Albert Einstein that the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. Mm-hmm. What many people don't know is that it goes on. His quote goes on that he who understands it earns it. He who does not understand it pays it. Hmm. So we're in a new world. We are in a world where we can't put our money in a bank savings account and get any type of appreciable interest growth on it, right? Yeah, exactly. And we are also in a world where we could go and we could buy a car. And if we've done a good job, we can probably get 0% APR on it, annual percentage rate, or maybe 1% annual percentage rate, right? Mm -hmm. But let's say we are even paying 1% annual percentage rate. We're still paying interest to somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. And if we are paying zero, okay, we're not paying any interest to anybody else, but that money is not working for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, this client in his early 20s put money aside for this, was able to protect his family, same money he was saving anyways, but instead of putting it into the 401k where it was in tax prison, he put it into this other tool that is with a very conservative, uh, reputable company, uh, one that we're not too worried about their transparency ratio, as we talked about in our conversation with Matt just a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Feel that this company is going to go belly up on us and his money's at risk, but rather it's going to be there. And we, we were able to show him that down the road, that was going to be earning somewhere in the neighborhood of plus or minus 3% interest going forward, much as you used to be able to do in your past book savings, but you can't anymore. Yeah. Wow. Really is changing a mindset. It's changing the way somebody's thinking because I've never thought of an insurance policy being able to provide that kind of flexibility, you know, to be honest with you. And honestly, because most of my insurance dealings was with the term policy that I had or the couple term policies that I had at that time. But this gives quite a bit of flexibility. And it's not just the interest that you're going to make on that, the policy with the company that you're with that you were just speaking about. It's also the fact that you're going to save any of the interest on major purchases that you can do by loaning yourself your own money, which is just kind of mind blowing to me. Yeah. Eric, much as you experienced, you know, my first experience with insurance was somebody similar to you. I mean, not you, but well, your experience where it's a extended family member, what have you, that was struggling to get started in this industry of insurance, which by the way, has a very low barrier to entry, very high failure rate, very difficult to succeed. And you, know, you can really tell down the road, the professionals from the people that are starting out. But the insurance industry has done that to itself. 
people are not well trained, don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. and they've got production requirements on top of them that make them desperate to take advantage of friends and family, which has tainted the whole image of insurance. Yeah. I bore the same disdain for life insurance that many of my clients, now life insurance clients, had felt, you know, when I was not fully educated on some of these tools that I have learned in my path to becoming a true financial advocate. And as you mentioned, you know, that is using the insurance in a much different way early on in life uh, than people have been led to understand its role. Okay. Give me another example because I'm eating this stuff up. I mean, that, that is a fantastic example of one way to use life insurance. Give us another example from a client experience where you change somebody's mind about how they could use their own insurance. I'm going to uh, go to the tail end of life. Okay. Right. When people are talking about long-term care and that whole problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. First of all, we all recognize that it is common knowledge that a high, high percentage of people that passed away from COVID passed away in nursing homes, mm-hmm. right? Nobody wants to be in a nursing home if they don't have to be. And many people come to me and saying, Greg, well, what do we do to get out of this problem? Mm-hmm. Do we use the trusts that you're able to prepare? Do we buy long-term care insurance, et cetera, et cetera? It's a real problem for people. But the one thing most people don't think about is that life insurance can solve that problem for them as well. You know, for example, again, I had a fella come in the other day. He was in his 60s and he wanted to prepare for retirement. He's like, Greg, okay, uh, I'm here to hear what you have to say about how to deal with taxes and how to deal with these other challenges that are on my horizon. But I'm really worried about long-term care. I had the family experience, and I really don't want to have this drain of my assets. And I was able to show him how if he decided that he wanted to reposition some of his current savings for retirement into a short payment plan into a life insurance program that he was going to build a bucket of money of hundreds of thousands of dollars that would be able to be accessed for long-term care that would be able to be transferred down to the next generation tax-free and If he decided that he wanted to live a long time, it would be there to augment his retirement funding in the future. Mm -hmm. Now, tell me, Eric, do you know of any other tool that you could take and put your money in that would be able to provide leverage for you at a higher rate of interest than you can get in a safe and secure investment in a bond or what have you? So it's going to be there for you. And it's going to be there if you passed away and it's going to self-complete and make itself available to your family. And it's going to be tax-free to them. And if it comes back to you, it's going to be tax-free to you. And if you need it for long-term care, again, it's going to provide three or four times the dollar that you put in towards that need. 
Is there anything else that you've ever heard of that can do that for people? No, not at all. Not even close. Yeah. These aren't scare tactics. You know, I'm, I'm talking to the listening audience. These aren't scare tactics, but you brought up something that is near and dear to my heart. I had an aunt that suffered from Alzheimer's and dementia uh, and, and near the end of her life, but she had to go into a facility, I want to say probably almost three years before she passed. So she was in there for three years in a very small town in Minnesota. And her monthly bill was still $6,000. And I know that for facilities like that in major cities, I was just talking to somebody last week there in Boston, and they're looking at ten dollars to $12,000 a month. And that to me is a bit scary, you know, because I've seen it in my family, as your example had seen it in his. I don't know of anything that can, you know, shore up against that and then provide all those additional benefits as well. So that's, again, intriguing to me. How do you go about setting something like that? Is it something where he diverted money from one account to another, like you were speaking about the, your first example, where they decided to stop putting so much in the 401k that wasn't being matched, so they funded this a different way? How do you get those things funded so it can do what you're saying? Well, with this particular gentleman, we, uh, he had a sizable IRA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we've talked about in other episodes, is just creating a future tax obligation. Yes, it's there for his savings as well. That's his income in retirement. But he had more than enough to cover what his projected needs were going to be. And so that money was just going to continue to compound, become a tax problem. So what we did instead, because he was over the age of 59 and a half, we started taking some of that money out on a year-to-year basis. We had a five-year plan that Mm -hmm. we were going to take out some money. In his instance, we took out, uh, I think it was $75,000 a year from his IRA, paid the tax on that withdrawal, no penalty because of his age, and then net of that tax put $50,000 plus or minus into the premium for five years. So he's moved the money from taxable, paid his tax on it, and now it's being put into a pot to provide all those benefits. Yeah. So let me ask you this question, Eric. So let play along with me because you do know a lot about investments and things because I've taught you and other people have taught you. Mm-hmm. But let's pretend that you do nothing You knew nothing about investments, insurance, and taxes, and all those kind of things, okay? Can you put yourself in that frame of mind where you know absolutely absolutely. nothing? So if I came to you, Eric, in that state of mind and said, here's the deal. So is it more beneficial to you for you to take a small tax deduction now and build a pot of money that the Internal Revenue Service can come in and tax at whatever amount they want to in the future? Or is it more beneficial to you to pay a small amount of tax now on a small amount of money to build a pot of money that the IRS will never be able to get a hold of? Which would you choose? Yeah, even with a blank brain, my friend, I know which one I would choose. (laughs) I believe the question of what my taxes are going to be for the future. Because as you and Matt spoke about on the last one, we know that we're pretty doggone sure that taxes are going up. I mean, look at all the money that's been poured into the economy. We know taxes are going to have to go up to pay that back. Uncle Sam is going to come calling one way or another. I don't want him to decide in the future what he wants to take from me. So yeah, I'll happily pay the smaller tax burden now for money that Uncle Sam has no way to get to. 
And so that's what this gentleman did and built that pot that's now going to provide that multiple benefit that we talked about. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that you said he had an IRA. So if there's a younger person listening to this and they currently have started a Roth IRA or, you know, something that is taxed small now and it's going to build to later, they could then also talk to you about taking money from that Roth because there are no penalties. There is no age issue there, right? Because they can take it out because it's a Roth, if I'm not mistaken, Greg. And they could do the same strategy now instead of having to wait till they're 59 and a half. Uh, there are a lot of caveats that I have to throw in on that conversation. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not going to agree completely with you, but what I, I am going to say that that person that's putting money into a Roth now may find it more beneficial to them to contribute that money into a life insurance policy that is going to be a permanent cash value type life insurance policy. So okay. let me give you an example of that. Yeah. First of all, you know, with Roth, there are contribution limits, right? You can only give yeah, so that's much true. That's true. A, a year and many people find, well, their, their income has got them to a point where they can't do that anymore. So here's another curious way to look at insurance. There are two different things that we can look at at that point in time. So one, we can use, again, a traditional life insurance policy. We're early on in life. Let's say we're in our 50s and put money instead of going to a Roth contribution into that life insurance policy and get those same leverage benefits we just talked about. The numbers are changed and all that kind of stuff, but still those benefits are there and it begins that savings journey going forward. And there's another tool that's out there. Well, not out there and generally speaking, because I, as part of the Smart Advisor Network and part of a limited preferred group that have access to this particular tool, this particular tool that, by the way, I've taken Matt's advice, as we talked about in the last episode of always do it yourself first. And that is, mm -hmm. it is a life insurance program that we use uh, financing. We use leverage, much the way that you buy a house on a mortgage. Well, I'm buying my retirement on a mortgage. And what my plan is doing is taking, oh, approximately $20,000 a year for five years. And it's putting it into a life insurance policy that is now going to be met by bank financing, which is essentially going to match my $1 of premium with $3 of bank money. Wow. I'm going to pay for five years. The banks can continue paying for another five years. So we'll have 10 years of obligation and mm. only a five of that's mine. So I'm essentially going to put $100,000 into this thing. And in turn, the bank is going to put somewhere in the neighborhood of $300,000 in premium in it. And because universal life is such a rock solid tool, the bank's going to lend this money knowing they're getting their money back in year 15. So at year 15, they're out of the picture. Hmm. Long story made short, five payments of mine of $100,000 total. When my retirement comes around, it's projected to give me somewhere in the neighborhood of $20,000 or more per year of tax-free income up until the age of 90, at which time it pays death benefit as well. Holy cow. Okay. Why do you save this stuff for the very end of the podcast where it's like Pandora's box just opened and I have so many questions? Wow. Okay. <laughs> that sounds fantastic, Greg. 
So I know that people must have questions, right? Because I know I do. And this is the end of the podcast, though. We're running out of time. So I will say this. From when I was younger, I'm drawing on my younger self. I'm drawing on the things that I heard, right? Through the grapevine, through friends, through family, through media, all that stuff. Life insurance sometimes, and you you alluded to it at the beginning. Um, you know, a lot of people get into life insurance because they think it's going to be their big break. And that's going to be the, what they're going to do for their entire career. And there's a huge failure rate because lack of training, lack of education, so on and so forth. And the life insurance industry in itself gets a bad rap a lot of times. But when you know somebody who knows what they're doing and they can talk to you about all these intricacies, right? All the things that you can possibly do, it really ends up being math. You're going to compare the math of what they're doing now to what they could be doing, what's going to be the benefit now compared to in the future. And it's really simple to sit down and talk to somebody as long as they know what they're doing. So Greg, before we end this, I'm going to ask you for some contact information, but for you, the listening audience, don't be scared off by the fact that you've heard that life insurance can be a racket. Because I've heard the same thing. Obviously, on today's podcast, you've heard that there are other ways to use it. There's other things, and it's very specific to your specific situation. Please don't be shy about reaching out to Greg and his team to talk to him. Because, again, I think we're going to need to do a follow-up to this podcast just in the fact that that last statement that you made, Greg. But before we do end, are there some closing statements that you can give us to wrap up today's show? And then, please, like I said, give your contact information so those listening can reach out and get those questions answered because I know you just opened up a huge box of worms. Eric, I'm going to close by reflecting. Yeah, as I said, much like you, much like people listening to this presentation, I was not a fan of life insurance. I had a negative connotation, negative connection to it. And it wasn't until a few years ago that my continued study of all tools in the financial industry. Being a lifelong learner, I continue. I travel the country. Well, I traveled the country. Hopefully, I'll be traveling again, going to various presentations after various presentations to continue to learn new tools and new ways to apply things for my clients. Life insurance, as I continue to get more and more exposed to some of these tools, number one, I do realize that there's some things I don't know. I'm humble enough to know that and continue to dig for more information. But that's my mission for my clients, for my public, that that's my job to continue to dig and to share that. And so... I hope what I've shared today has been eye-opening for many people. And if you do wish to find out more about these concepts or other ways that maybe a fresh look at insurance would make sense to you, please feel free to reach out to contact me first by email at greg at dupontwealth.com. Again, that's greg at dupontwealth.com. Or you can dial me up at area code 614-408-0004. Again, 614-408-0004. Here's what kills me, Greg. I think Matt said it on the last podcast. You're an attorney who focuses on finance. Does that wrap it up? Right? So here's the thing is that you're not an insurance guy. <laughs> you are not somebody who's out there, hey, I'm going to sell insurance. This is just one small piece. This is why you call it the Back to Basics series. 
This is one small piece of what you do in a much larger plan for every one of your clients. This is one piece to the entire puzzle, the full picture of what you want to build for your clients. So I appreciate that about you because I learn something new every time we get together. And the fact that you're so fluid in your conversations about just one puzzle piece. I love that. And so I, I appreciate what you do. I encourage you audience to reach out. So Greg, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it more than you know. Well, thank you, Eric. Have yourself a great afternoon and I look forward to our next conversation. Absolutely. And of course, our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Greg comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And I'm going to challenge you to do that because if your thinking has been, ah, you know, I think people are just trying to sell insurance to make money. I bet your friends and family have probably thought that too. Share this podcast with them and start discussing it. Just chat about it. Just see what they think about the concepts that Greg talked about today and then come back with questions, email them to Greg and he will address them First, he'll direct his answers to you, but he'll also address those on a podcast in the future. And you can a part of forming what this show really is in its education. So again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of DuPont Wealth Solutions. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. 